Can you hear us? No answer? Great. Great. <laughs> so we can mess up all the... Make sure you are sending in uh, listener stories, things that involve true crime, paranormal, neighborhood drama. Yes. Um, it doesn't have doesn't have to directly happen to you. It could have been something involving a neighbor, a family member, or something in your town. Um, also, make sure you check out our Patreon because yeah. uh, there's a lot of great behind the scenes stuff on there. What are you eating? like this case and point it's the just, dog was eating a plastic there's not yeah there's about to say there's not even food in it it's just a plastic it's a balloon bag. it's a balloon bag it Jessie, held balloons what are you doing she's trying to commit suicide oh my gosh anyway <laughs> so do all that stuff yeah you can watch how the magic said. happens yes and uh this this is the magic so uh this is what's with the neighbors true crime paranormal podcast <laughs> that is brie <laughs> And that is Amy. And uh, we're Today just is Happy National Podcast Day. It is. Also. And National Coffee Day. What? I know. I had coffee this and morning. And you brought me coffee. I brought you coffee. I need that. Oh, my God. High five, five buddy. buddy. Yeah. I heard that on the radio today. And I was like, what? Nice. Look at, look at us. We are just coming in on these great days we didn't even know it and we, we, we didn't were even doing know. it it was like we the universe sent it to us and you're wearing a coffee shirt and it has hocus pocus on it and Which hocus just pocus 2 out. just came out what we are just on top of it we, today. we are we are yeah. yeah let's not jinx it yeah uh, <laughs> and let's... there's gonna be nothing on the sound <laughs> <laughs> do you have a neighborhood story for me i do uh so this one is from the next door app or it's a screenshot from the next door app and it says i log into next door just for posts like these today i witnessed a man outside of jp licks in davis square what the hell is jp licks sounds like an ice cream <laughs> yeah oh yeah probably so. <laughs> what's jp licking <laughs> using crumbs and it has a giant WTF and an arrow pointing to it to lure pigeons to him just so he could pick them up on t- into his backpack. The pigeons? Uh, yeah. How does one even approach this situation? <laughs> you, you don't. You let the guy do what <laughs> just, he's doing. Just let him get the pigeons. Just maybe let him take them home. Maybe he's using them for mail. Maybe he's like, they're that, like mail carry pigeons. Yeah. You can't rely on USPS anymore. Yeah, it's just like Hogwarts, but in the ghetto. Uh, I used to have a pet pigeon. What? Really? <laughs> yeah. Was it wild originally? So his name was Cappuccino. Oh. And uh, I kept him in a, a, like, you know those wire dog crates? Yeah. I kept him in that. <laughs> and he, like, lived in our my mom's playroom in our house. And that's where he, he lived that's there so for, weird. I don't know how long we had him, but... How I acquired such such pigeon was um, he was like had like an injured leg or an injured wing or something, Aww. and so my dad took him home. Oh, and you nursed him back to health. I I don't know if or did I he did go it. to a farm? No, we let him did go. Did Cappuccino go to a farm? No, we let him go. Okay, you watched him fly off. Yes. Okay. In in the backyard because I've had some animals go to go to a farm or just go missing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
no, it happens. He, 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 I don't know how long, we, I'm sure my mom knows uh, how long we had him, but yeah, his name was Cappuccino. That's so weird. We've had squirrels. Yeah, that's so cool. They were pretty cool. I want a squirrel. They're awesome. I want one. <laughs> um. Okay, do you want me to tell you mine? Uh, no. Do you want me to tell you? Can I tell you a neighborhood story? <sighs> okay, let's go. All right, I'm ready. Do you see what I have to put up you with? You guys ready? <laughs> Amy's going to tell a great neighborhood story because she built this one up. She made I did it sound not. like it's going to be the best neighborhood story I ever. I did not. <laughs> I'm going to start dumbing stuff down. <laughs> Can and I? Like, this is going to be a neighborhood story for you. <laughs> And when I call you, I'm like, I have good news. I have. Yeah. You're so good at building things up. And I'm always like, oh, that's great. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> Maybe I'm just, I don't know. I'm, j- I'm just, I'm just a selfish person. Cause every time someone builds something up, I'm expecting them to say, you just got a million dollars. Oh, I see. I see. It's well, just the selfish part of me. It's. I'm used to it, though, because, and maybe that's why I've never realized that, like, I do it, because when I do it to Rick, the best compliment I can get from him was, that's cool. (laughs) Not compliment, but, like, response. I hear that, though. Yeah. I I, I hear his response. Yeah, so. (laughs) That exact tone. That's cool. Yeah. Anyway. Or, (laughs) nice. You want some brisket? Sometimes he'll, like, raise his eyebrows. Nice. (laughs) That's when I'm just like, oh, man. You guys have been together for a long time. I know. <laughs> Anyways. All right. So here's my neighborhood story. So this one is from that group that I posted. The oh, yeah, yeah. I hate my neighbors. So someone said, one night I came home from dinner. The local police department knocked on my door. I was told my neighbor had accused me of leaving a dead bird on her car. And then in parentheses, this is even though the public department of health had advised a back uh, ad- advised a bacteria was going around killing birds. Um, as I was speaking to the officers, she came out and yelled that I was making I was making birds poop on her car. Oh, that's you know I cannot stand when people make birds poop on my car. I know it's just like they get in the right spot too. Yeah, usually near the door handle. Yes, or it's right after you washed it. That happens. Somebody to me every had time. to have done it on purpose. On purpose. Well, don't I mean? Don't you know you have the remote control to like? Birds aren't real. I'm first off, so much about so. birds. Yeah. I, oh my goodness. I hate birds. Oh my gosh. They scare me. Love birds. Have you seen the movie Birds? Yeah. It's terrifying. I love birds. We were reading it in high school, and then we watched like the movie. And then that day, I came home and I checked the mail at my grandma's mailbox, and it lived out in the middle of nowhere. And I opened the mailbox, and this bird flew out at me. And I was like, <laughs> how did he get in there? I don't know. <laughs> it scared the hell out of me, though. That's really weird. Oh, I don't play with birds. I don't Birds and eyes. I love birds. They're going to peck my eyes out. Well, birds aren't real, so don't worry. That's true. It's They're the government. Conspiracy. It's the government watching us all. I loved, I made Alice a shirt that had a pigeon on it and said, I am a conspiracy. I loved it. <gasps> I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> Alice? Uh, you made Alice a shirt? Yeah. Nice. She she loved wearing it. Alice? Then. Who's this Alice? I don't know. She's mm-hmm. not here. All right. So I'm going first. Yes. Okay. So. Let me put my sleep mask on. 15 pages, man. It's really good. Okay. All right. I believe you. I'm excited. It, I, I am really excited. I'm just messing with you. All right. You ready? 
Wait, and you said that yours was not a normal story. Yeah, for you. mine is not normal at all. Mine isn't either. Man, what is going on with us today? I'm going to tell you about. You just heard all that. I want to apologize to everyone that is good or knows Spanish because I'm going to butcher a lot of these <laughs> words. <laughs> Do you need to pass it to me? I took like six years of it. No. <laughs> Because I would be giving it to you, like, constantly. <laughs> just just use the, Like, the first or... couple words, I, like, they're all just names. But the uh, the first, like, I spelt out, and then I just got really tired of going. <laughs> Checking. So, anyway. It's okay. It's names. Yeah, they're just names. They're not important. And when I. When I'm just I... kidding. Everybody, all the subjects in our stories are important. Yes, Sorry. they are. Um. Except for the kids. When I could, I just kind of gave, I used their nicknames. Because um, they all had nicknames, too. Well, do you want something else to drink? I brought a second one. Oh, okay. So I'm going to tell you about Joaquin L. Chapo Guzman. What? You sound so white when you said that. L. Chapo. I am white. <laughs> You're, you just, wow. Listen, buddy. I want to hear your Spanish-speaking accent. Okay. Um, he was also known as uh, Shorty. And so that's who I'm going to... Oh, yes, that was my nickname. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, that was my nickname all in middle school. Well, he he got the nickname Shorty because he was only 5'6". So he yeah, got I the name him. like as a kid or a teenager or whatever. But So that's what I'm going to call him the whole story is shorty I okay love it. i love it i love it so he was born on april 4th 1957 in sinaloa 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 just nope. just say it confidently it's okay sinaloa to the parents of uh emilio guzman and maria perez they were a poor cattle farming family uh which unfortunately resulted in the father being i don't say i don't know why i said resulted his dad was pretty abusive and shorty he had like 11 other siblings the three of them are not technically reported because they said that uh he they died before he was born or before he can remember them so, but oh my gosh. it was reported he had 11 siblings. Jeez. And so Shorty kind of, like, took the front of it. Like, he would get more abused more because he kind of, like, would step in when the other siblings were getting abused. Oh. So, like, t to take that front right. for them. So, um, da 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 uh, oh, and the siblings that possibly died, the three, uh, w died of natural causes. Wow. <sighs> yeah. Um, he dropped out of school in the third grade. Oh, my Which God. made him illiterate <clears throat> to help his father, and he also sold oranges to the locals. Uh, he was a natural prankster, which would often get him in trouble with his dad. Uh, so he would flee to his grandmother's house as a safe place. Once he was a bit older in his youth, he and his brothers would hike the hills of Bad Battery. Bad Aragatio. 
to cut the buds of the opium poppies. Then they would stack them into kilos and give them to their father, who would then sell them to other suppliers. Did you know that opium comes from poppies? Yes, I did. I didn't know that until this. You saw Ozark? Oh, duh. (laughs) I knew that. Have you seen Wizard of Oz? The poppies. They fell asleep in the poppy. Oh. I didn't put that two together, but I forgot about Ozark. I did know that. (laughs) So his father also taught Shorty to grow marijuana. And they would sell them to the commercial centers. Important thing to learn. I mean, reading, knowing how to grow marijuana, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's going to get you in far in life. And especially if you live like in places where it's legal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like here. I mean, it is a career. Yep. It's a choice. Can be. Yeah. So his dad would then turn around and take all the money that his kids, like, worked for. Oh, that's messed up. He would take the money, turn around, and spend it on liquor and women. And the kids never saw, he never brought the money home to the family. So they never sold dime. Yeah. So I'm sure maybe some of it, but all, I mean... That's what his dad would do. Uh, So at 15, Shorty had enough of his dad's uh, poor practices and decided to create his own marijuana business with two of his cousins, uh, or with his cousins, uh, Artui Alfredo, Carlos, and Hector, uh, which did, in fact, bring money home to the family, unlike his father. Okay. They actually, like, fed the family oh his father ended up kicking him out and so he went and lived with his grandmother until he decided he had had enough um of the town that he lived in which was that bad and didn't want to live this dead-end career he was like i have bigger and better plans good so uh-oh so he moved never mind <laughs> your face sorry <laughs> it's just really funny that you're like good He's turning his life around. He's turning his life around. So he moved away in his 20s and joined an organized crime for his uncle, Pedro Perez. It's organized, so, I mean, it must be better. Yeah. (laughs) 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 I've heard that the organized crime versus the chaotic and, you know, dirty crime is, you know, a lot better of a business to join into. Nobody likes messy crimes. No, 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 no. You know? No, definitely not. (laughs) If you're going to join a crime, join an organized crime. Absolutely. Don't do crime, guys. Just don't do crime. (laughs) Just don't do it, okay? So his uncle got Shorty a job working for Hector Palma, transporting drugs and overseeing their shipment from Sierra Madre region to the U.S. border towns by aircraft. Um, Right from the beginning of his organized crime career, Shorty was ambitious. So they, they included traveling. With his new job. He didn't travel. Oh, okay. He was just he in charge. He didn't get to go in the aircraft. Yeah, he just like, made wow. sure that the shipments were coming and going. See the country. Damn. Nope. What a job. Yeah. So, uh, right from the beginning of his career, uh, his, his organized crime career 
Shorty was ambitious and would often press his supervisors to allow him to increase the amount of narcotics being sent over to the U.S. He's like, listen, we can do more. Let's do more. Let's do more. So, like, he was just trying to be better. Yeah. And better the company, you know? So That's a good motivator. <laughs> you have to be tough to survive. You in think he got employee of the month? <laughs> Obviously. That means that <laughs> the, he, he didn't get shot. <laughs> So, to you have to be rough to survive in this line of work, right? Well, Shorty often didn't mess around when it came to deadlines and time restraints. If a smuggler didn't get the shipment to the destination in time, he would make an example out of them by simply shooting them in the head himself. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, instead of, yeah. like, having someone else do it, he was like, I got this. You guys, I'll do, I'll do the dirty job. It's fine. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, that's always a good boss whenever they go out and actually, like, do the lower people work. Exactly. Like, you have more respect for them. He puts himself out on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, this resulted in anyone that thought about cheating him or going to a different supplier for better prices to think otherwise. No one messed with him. Uh, his work ethic and practices caught the eyes of the leaders of the Guadalajara cartel. I know you're wondering. Who's the Guadalajara cartel? Yes, I, I was wondering that. It's not a cartel for unicorns. It is a drug cartel. Oh. Yeah. Uh, oh, because they, yeah, then they, yeah, Mexicans. Got yeah. it. Okay. So they were leading. They were the leading cartel in Mexico, and it was led by M- Miguel Miguel Angel Felix Galarado, also known as the Godfather. Nice. And so throughout this story, I am going to call him Felix. Oh, okay. Because that's and like not in, the Godfather. Well, yeah. And the research that I was doing, a lot of people referred to him as Felix, like, the okay. whole time. But that's his whole name. Okay. Shorty was introduced to Felix and was hired to do, be, or hired to be his chauffeur, which didn't last long because he was then promoted to head of logistics. His job was to coordinate drug shipments from Colombia to Mexico by land, air, and sea. This type of job earned enough trust with Felix and actually provided Shorty the opportunity to work directly with him instead of, like, having another job, another boss ahead of him. So in the mid-'80s, there was a huge shift in the cartel surveillance uh, with the U.S. government, with many undercover agents that got close to the top, to the top drug lords including Felix. So he, he had an undercover cop working for him and he didn't know. Didn't know. And that agent was working with Felix. The, the agent that was working with Felix was Enrique Salazar. And in November of 1984, the Mexican military raided the large marijuana plantation owned by the Guadalajara cartel called Rancho Buffalo. Out of betrayal from Enrique, Felix and his men kidnapped the undercover cop. Oh, no. And tortured him and killed him in the February of 1985. Oh. Yeah, which is really sad. Uh, 
this really ticked off the U.S. government, so they put out a massive manhunt to arrest everyone involved in the kidnapping. Can they do that? Why not? Oh, because we're Mexican. That's right. Yes. We can, we can go do stuff over there. Right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Well, and it, the U.S. government was trying to, like, there was a huge change in the drug cartel surveillance. Surveillance. Uh, with the U.S. government. Okay. So, uh, da, da, da. so to retaliate, the U.S. government's like, all right, we're going to go arrest all these people that were involved in this kidnapping. While all of this was happening, though, Shorty was like, I'm going to take advantage of this and gained ground within the cartel and took over more of the drug trafficking operations because – Felix and all these other men were busy trying to hide. Distracted. Yeah. So finally, after four years of the manhunt, Felix was arrested. While in prison, Felix called upon his men and they all agreed to divide up the Guadalajara cartel. Uh, Shorty and another member, Ismal Zambada, took over and formed the Sinalia cartel. Shortly, what Shorty was specifically in charge of the drug cor- uh, corridors of Tecate. 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 It's a beer. Mm. Yep. T- yeah, Tecate. Baja uh, in Baja Mexico or Baja California, Mexicali, and San Luis Rio, Colorado. Shortly, or I keep reading shortly instead of Shorty. <laughs> <laughs> Short Shorty was uh, Shorty purchased dozens of properties throughout the country of Mexico. People he trusted would purchase them for him, and he would register them under false names. He would use these houses as stash houses, hiding weapons, cash, guns, and drugs. He also had employees that worked for him at multiple ranches, he, uh, where they would grow and harvest opium poppies and marijuana. So, it did his dad did do something handy yeah. for him? The first time Shorty was detected by the U.S. authorities for his involvement in organized crime was in 1987 when several protected witnesses testified in a U.S. court that Shorty was, in fact, heading this heading this Sonalia cartel. Uh, an indictment issued in the state of Arizona alleged that Shorty had coordinated the shipment of two or four, 4,400 pounds of marijuana and about... 10,400 pounds of cocaine from October 19th, 1987 to May 18th, 1990. I don't know what's a lot, but that sounds like a lot. That sounds like a lot. (laughs) And, well, think about it. It's powder. Yeah. Yeah. So it can't weigh that much. Uh, He had received roughly $1.5 million in drug proceeds, proceeds and were shipped back to his home state. Another indictment alleged that Shorty earned $100,000 for trafficking 70,000 pounds of cocaine and an unspecified amount of marijuana in a period of three years. In the border areas between Tecate and San Luis Rio, Colorado, Shorty ordered his men to traffic most of the drugs over land, but also through a few aircraft by using the so-called piecemeal strategy in which the traffickers kept drug qualities 
pretty low so they weren't detected as easily. Um, That's smart that they were able to know that. Yeah. And he also uh, started the use of sophisticated tunnels uh, to move drugs across the border and into the United States. Oh, they did that on weeds. Yeah. Yeah. So he he started that. Yeah. Oh, okay. Supposedly. So to move oh, aside from starting the tunnels, Palma, the guy that he used to work for, and Shorty packed cocaine into chili pepper cans under the brand La Comadre uh, before they were shipped to the U.S. by train. And in return, the drug lords were paid through large suitcases filled with millions of dollars in cash. These suitcases were flown from the U.S. to Mexico City, where there was a corrupted customs agent that would look the other way. They had someone everywhere. Yeah. A large sum of money were reportedly used to bribe uh, members of the attorney general's office. Oh. So it goes all the way to the top. Oh my gosh. So when Felix uh, was arrested, the Tijuana area of the cartel was handed over to the Felix brothers. They were also cousins of the former Guadalajara cartel leader. Uh, so they kind of were given this like just handed this stuff um and fears of a coup however uh the brother one of the brothers fled to canada and was later arrested shorty and the rest of his cartel leader grew angry that he fled for some reason so whatever because of that though in 1989 shorty sent one of his most trusted men Lopez is his last name to speak with Felix's clan in Tijuana about this. But before he had a chance to speak to them face to face, to face Lopez was killed. And the corpse was uh, disposed on the outskirts of the city. In, uh, T- and the Tijuana cartel ordered a hit on the remaining members of the Lopez family to prevent any future problems. Oh, man. That same year, Felix, the Felix brothers sent the uh, Vin, Vin, Venezuelan drug trafficker to infiltrate Palma's family and seduce his wife uh, after convincing her to withdraw $7 million and from one of Palma's bank accounts in San Diego, California. Dang. And she then was beheaded. Oh, my gosh. And the head, her head was sent to Palma in a box. Of course. Of yeah. course. Cartel style. Yeah. So, can you imagine just, like, getting a box with your wife's head in That's it? That's terrible. Yeah. By the way, I'm surprised the banks didn't, like, flag that she pulled out that, unless it was in, like, multiple accounts. That could be, or, sh- like, if you just, like, go in and, like, have to sign papers. I'm also, sure. it was when? In the 80s? The late 80s? Yeah, 1989. Yeah, so maybe they weren't as yeah skeptical. Uh, so she was beheaded, and it was known that the f- this was actually the first beheading linked to a drug trade in Mexico. Oh, look at you. You started something. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Two weeks 
later, uh, the kids, his kids, were Hector, he was five, and Natalie, age four, were killed by being thrown off a bridge in Venezuela. Oh Venus- my gosh. Venezuela? Yeah, Wayla. Venezuela. So, just to, I guess, teach him a lesson, I don't know. Oh, no. Palma, Palma retaliated by sending his men to kill uh, the person that killed his family while he was in prison. In 1991, Ramon killed another Sonolia cartel associate and prompted bigger conflicts with Shorty. Damn. All right. So, in the early 1992s... <laughs> In early 1992. Like January. (laughs) (laughs) In early 1992, a Tijuana cartel affiliated affiliate and San Diego based gang known as Calais kidnapped six of Shorty's men in Tijuana, tortured them to obtain information, and then shot them in the back of their heads. Oh my gosh. Their bodies were dumped on the outskirts of the city. Shorty, after the attack, or short, it's finally the (laughs) word shortly. (laughs) Shortly after the attack, a car bomb exploded outside of one of Shorty's properties. And luckily there was no injuries to be reported, but the drug lord became fully aware of the attended message. Like, stop messing with these other cartels. Yeah. So, Shorty and Palma struck back, because that's what you do, yep, like, yep. instead of just backing down. Yep. Um, that's the used top dog. Yeah. Uh, against the Felix brothers, and with nine killings on September 3rd, 1992, among Jeez. the dead were lawyers and family members <sighs> of Felix, who were also believed to have orchestrated the attack against Palma's family. Oh, my gosh. Mexico's attorney general formed a special unit to look into the killings, but the investigation was called off after the unit found that that shortly Shorty had paid off some of the top police officials in Mexico with $10 million. So they were like, if we get involved, we have to get all these people involved. And we're going to look bad. smart. Yeah, and according to the police reports and confessions of former police officers, so that's why it was called off. Jeez. <sighs> All right. In November of 1992, gunmen of Felix attempted to kill Shorty as he was traveling in a vehicle through the streets of Guadalajara. Ramon, which is the gunman, and at least four of his henchmen shot at the moving vehicle with AK-47 rifles, but the drug lord managed to escape unharmed. The attack forced Shorty to leave Guadalajara and live under a false name under fear of future attacks, obviously. Yeah. Like, now Yeah, I was now about to we're say, like, it. everybody is dead. Like, everybody <laughs> has died around are you, dead. but, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, stupid. So... What did he do? He uh, he and Palma, however, responded to the assassination attempt in a similar fashion. Like, this is, like, literally the war. Like, they just didn't stop. Uh, so, on November 8th, 
1992, a large number of the Salona cartel men posing as police officers stormed to uh, the Christine. It, it's like a church, all right, in Puerto Vallarta. Puerto Vallarta. Puerto Vallarta. Puerto Vallarta. Good. You're doing good. <laughs> <laughs> and they spotted Ramon. Uh, Felix and the other brother. And opened fire at them. The shooting lasted for at, like, at least eight minutes and more than a thousand rounds were fired by both Shorty and Felix's gunmen. Dang. Six people were killed in the shootout. But... The brothers, the Felix brothers, were in the restroom when the raid was going on. <laughs> and that's who they were trying to kill. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, you're going poop and you're like, oh, I hear shooting. I'm just going to stay I'm here. just going to stay in here. <laughs> stay in the stall. <laughs> so, uh, and they escaped through the air conditioning ducts before leaving the scene in one of their vehicles. On the 9th and 10th of December 1992, four alleged associates of Felix were killed. The battles between Shorty's, Shorty's cartel and the Felix brothers' clan left several more dead and were accompanied by more violent events in the states of Baja, Mexico, and seven other cities. I just... I feel bad. This is what I think so about is the people that like really don't that have a choice. like directly involved. Yeah. That were just born into it. Yeah. And then they're like, not even into doing it, but like born into the family. So you really don't have a choice. Yeah. And then their wives that and sucks. kids. Yeah. So the war between both groups continued for six more months. Yet none of their leaders were killed in mid 1993. Uh, Felix, the Felix clan sent their top gunman for one final mission to kill Shorty in Guadalajara, where he moved around frequently to avoid any possible attacks. But he didn't have any success, and the Tijuana cartel hitmen decided to return to Baja, Mexico on May 24th, 1993. And as uh, Francisco Javier was at the Guadalajara International Airport booking his flight for Tijuana, he got uh, tips notifying him that Shorty was at the airport parking lot. So he's like, bring in your men. We're going to kill this guy. So supposedly they spotted him in a white Mercury Grand Marquis car where Shorty was thought to be hiding about 20 of the gu 20 gunmen of the Tijuana cartel the Felix brothers cartel stormed in surrounded the vehicle and opened fired at around at 4 10 p.m at an airport <laughs> I guess this is like normal for Mexico right? I don't know but it wasn't him in the vehicle oh my gosh yeah this guy's <laughs> like a cockroach <laughs> Um, he ended up being in some other, uh, I can't remember, I think I wrote it, some other vehicle, but the person that was in the vehicle was a bishop. <gasps> and um, so the bishop died at the scene oh. from 14 gunshot wounds. Oh my god! Six other people, including their, uh, 
the chauffeur, the bishop's chauffeur, were caught in the crossfires and killed. Oh my god! Among the shootout, the uh, confusion, the shootout confusion. Shortly, Shorty escaped and headed to one of his safe houses twenty minutes away from the airport. Oh and my freaking gosh. The president, the Mexican Mexico's Mexico's president, he was pissed. Oh, I bet because it's the public. Yeah, you killed innocent like, bystanders. Is this like this bishop? It was like super, like kind of like the Catholic bishop yeah. of Mexico. Yeah. Bishop's pretty big and Catholic. Okay. It's they're big. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't they're very important. Yeah, he was super important. So yeah. So the president flew to Guadalajara and like was like condemning this attack. He's like, I'm done. We're not doing this anymore. He condemned this attack, right? And so he's like, Listen, we're gonna do this manhunt and get rid of all of you guys. So they uh, carried out a massive manhunt to arrest the people involved in the shootout and offered about $5 million per head, not head, but per bounty uh, oh for gosh. each of them. Pictures of Shorty's face, previ- who was previously unknown to the public, really, like, no one really knew who right. he was. He, he was, was freaking all good over- at hiding. Yeah, and now he was all over the place, though. He was on the news. He was on flyers. He was on billboards because he was considered part of the shootout. And so, fearing his, of his capture, Shorty fled to uh, some other city in Mexico that I don't know how to pronounce, where he reportedly owned a ranch. The drug lord then fled to Mexico City and stayed at a hotel for about 10 days. He met with one of his associates in an unknown location, handed him about $200 million to provide for oh. his family if something were to ever happen to him. Here's $200 million. How do you just have be that? Fine. How do you just like, have that? Like, I wish. I know. Um, so he also had some other of his employees to make sure that his cartel ran its day-to-day activities smoothly in case he were to be gone for a long period of time he got a fake passport and went to guatemala for on june 4th 1993 his plan was to settle in el salvador but the government was tracking him shorty attempted to hide south of the mexican border by paying a military official 1.2 million dollars but the official ended up telling the government where he was he's like um, no, nope. I'll, t- well, I'll take the this. money. He took the money, oh. but then tipped off the government. <laughs> He's gonna die, probably. Um, so he was arrested on June 9th, nineteen ninety three, and was extradited back to Mexico. He was sentenced to twenty years in prison on drug trafficking, crim- criminal association, and bribery. He was jailed at the maximum security prison. Being in prison, though, didn't stop his cartel from booming. Oh, yeah. Business doesn't stop when you're in jail. Yeah. They <laughs> continued daily operations and was still considered one of the major international drug cartels. He was able to bribe prison workers with money so he could continue to live his luxurious lifestyle what? in prison. 
Uh, some employees even acted as his servants, dude. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, that doesn't really surprise me. No. I've no. seen Prison Break. Yeah, I love that show. It's such a good it's show. Such a good show. In June of 1995, his business partner, Palma, was arrested, leaving Shorty to take over the entire leadership behind Waters. Okay. But Shorty ended up being the drug lord of all drug lords. His life was booming, and no one would mess with him. While in Even prison, in jail. Even in jail. Uh, while in prison, though, like I said, Shorty had everyone eating out of the palm of his hands. He, uh, Even the warden, which Aww. doesn't surprise me. He had a mastermind plan to escape, and on January 19th, January 19th, 2001, a prison guard opened Shorty's, sh- Shorty's cell, allowed him to crawl into a laundry cart, and they actually rolled him right out the front doors. In total, there were 78 employees involved in his escape. Oh, my gosh. I know. The U.S. Treasury named him the most powerful drug trafficker in the world. And uh, he even donated money to Juan Hernandez with millions of dollars that helped uh, Juan become president of Honduras. Allowing Shorty to have better control of boats and planes that carry shipment so to Mexico. So he had that guy in his pocket, too. Yep. Damn. So his, enti- his empire made him a billionaire. He was ranked the 10th richest man in Mexico and the 100 and 1,000. Just the 10th? Y- yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess there's more people that are richer than him, but I mean. To it like, seems like he has so much money. I know. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, have you seen the difference between a millionaire and a billionaire? No. There's a, it's a huge difference. So. Couple zeros. Yeah. A few zeros. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he was ranked the 1,140th richest man in the world in 2011. That's pretty, that's pretty high up on the list. I mean, there's like over what? In the world. people in the world or something? Yeah. Dang. Yeah. So, I bet I, I bet I don't even make the list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you we already don't. <laughs> the USDEA considered him the godfather of the drug world. Shorty managed to stay in hiding for 13 years after he escaped, but was arrested again in Mazatlan. He brought back. He was brought back to Mexico and was prisoned. However, on July 11th, 2015, Shorty was last seen by a security camera in the jail at 10.42 p.m. near the shower cell, shower area in his cell, which is the only part of the cell to that privacy. isn't yeah, uh, shown, uh, which was, oh, I just said that. He was discovered that he had escaped. Through a tunnel leading from the shower area to a house construction site that was less than a mile away. Oh, my gosh. This escape triggered a wide-range manhunt. The entire state of Mexico was looking for him. It wasn't until 2016 when they pinpointed where Shorty was hiding again. Dang. They put his house, which was in North Sinalia on surveillance for a month. They got wind that the high authority was to return back to the house 
And so after a gunman that was guarding the house had left to go get food, they raided the house, but Shorty had escaped through a secret tunnel and stole a vehicle. (laughs) This guy is like, does not. I bet he played the best hide and seek as a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Go Shorty. It's your birthday. About 20 miles south of Los Mochis, federal agents intercepted the stolen vehicle and Shorty attempted to bribe the agents with money because that's, you know, why not? Yeah. Money talks. And when they refused, he said, you're all going to die. Yeah. Probably. (laughs) You're like, yeah. Yeah, I'm already, I'm, I'm numb. <laughs> <laughs> the agent supervisors were tipped off that 40 men were on their way to free Shorty while they had intercepted this vehicle. So they were instructed to take Shorty to the outskirts of the city and wait in a motel for reinforcements. Once at the motel to hide from the gunmen, Marines arrived and arrested Shorty. Nice. Marines. <laughs> Mexican Marines. Not that they're any less, but <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. Not Anyways. like, not like, not ours. Not, yeah, not, not us. us. Okay. No. Uh, they're much cooler, obviously. Uh, Mexico formally launched a renewed process of extradition to the United States two days after Shorty was recaptured on January 8, 2016, after his second prison escape. <sighs> Uh, Shorty's lawyers mounted numerous and creative injunctions to prevent the extradition, but the federal judge involved in Shorty's proceedings, and he was, oh, the, okay, so the judge that was involved in this extradition extradition attempt, or proceedings, the judge was assassinated while jogging in Mexico City. During this case? Yeah. Oh my gosh. While they were like trying to extradite him back to the United who did that. States. Yeah, he was assassinated. Oh my gosh. Uh Shorty was wanted in Chicago. Oh, sorry. Um yeah. Okay, so Shorty was wanted in Chicago, San Diego, New York, New Hampshire, Miami, and Texas. Why? And obviously Mexico. Why those specific states? Because he dealt drugs there. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. okay, okay. So, January 19, 2017, Shorty was brought back to the U.S. to face charges and was turned over to the custody of HIS and DEA agents. He was housed at the Maximum Security Wing in New York, located in Manhattan. He pled not guilty on January 20th for a 17-count indictment. He ended up being found guilty on all accounts, and February 12th, 2019, he was sentenced to life in prison plus 30 years, and was ordered to forfeit more than $12.6 billion. <laughs> Not the richest man anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and he was prisoned, he was prisoned in the, he is prisoned in the ADX Florence in Florence, Colorado, the most secured u.s supermax prison oh wow he keeps escaping yeah (laughs) his wife a former teenage beauty queen was arrested in february of 2021 at the washington yeah at the washington international airport 
and was charged with conspiracy to smuggle cocaine, meth, heroin, and marijuana into the United States. Oh, wow. Yeah, she was sentenced to three years in prison and is expected to be released from the Texas facility in September of 2023. Just three years. Well, the judge took pity on her because she was a teenager. She had just turned 18 when she married him. So she... the judge believes that she didn't he know had a, any better. Yeah. And yeah. Ha- he had a big influence on what, sh- what he did. Oh. And December of 2021, the U S government offered $5 million reward for the Intel of the rest of arrest for four of Shorty's sons that were involved in the cartel, which nothing has come of that yet. Wow. That's really recent. Yep. Wow, that went on for a really long time. I'm very sorry. As, no, oh, no, no, I his like, career. Yeah, yeah. No, that was a good story. That was that's you've never done something like that before. It was it was a very bloody, but it was interesting. Just like it sounds, just like a freaking drug TV show, movie TV sounds show, like Ozark. Ozark, and of. it sounds yeah. like weeds, and yeah. it sounds like. Uh, what's the other one? It's like what you think. Breaking a, Bad? Yeah, it's like what you think a drug cartel would do. And, and it literally like, is. They got it right. Yeah. <laughs> they do cut off people's heads and mail them to people. A thousand percent, which I always <laughs> thought was so dramatic, but. It's like Jeffrey you, Dahmer. Well, and, and like, like going back and forth and fighting with other cartels, like, oh my gosh, I get it. Like. Yeah, someone has to stop. Clearly, you're just losing. You're just losing all these people. Someone just stop. Someone stop. Quit being child children and get over yourself. I really just feel bad for all those families. Yeah, involved that were that involved, especially the kids that got mm. thrown off the bridge. Well, that's the sad. kids. It, that's devastating. But those families that don't have a choice because, like, what else are you gonna do? Yeah. You don't have an education. Yeah. You don't have career. So go ahead, join a gang or drug cartel. Yep born into it it's so sad damn that was yeah. that was a fun one i told i told you it was gonna be fun i like it <laughs> like it i'm really excited for yours because these are my favorite things in the whole wide world oh it's i'm glad that we didn't go live on facebook for this because it just makes me nervous because one i don't want people like going in there and like correcting me because it's it's yeah it's a conspiracy theory and there are people that are going to have different point of views about right. it. So right. um, that and it involves the government. And I don't want like we're going to hear like cop cars or a helicopter or something outside. We are the not. I'm trying to think. I'm oh, so excited. This kind of also sort of ties into Hurricane Ian too. If like you'll understand why. Okay. <gasps> Even though this isn't like. Is it. Is it about that the government can control the weather? Yep. From a certain place. Planes? Place. Again. Oh, because they can control the, those those uh, tail things off of planes. Do you mean the, no, the, the chemicals, chemtrails? Yeah, chemtrails. chemtrails. They say that those are, I kind of saw a little bit of that, but I didn't get into that because I'm talking about a specific place that does. Okay. So. Okay. Uh, I don't think I've heard this one because I heard that they can from chemtrails. You may have heard of it. It's it, it's actually really big. Like, I, I recognize the name now. Um, 
All right, so. Okay, go ahead. In 1993, the High Frequency Active Auroral uh, Research Project, or better known as HAARP, H-A-A-R-P, located on 33 acres of land in Gakona, Alaska, which is near Talk, was created by Mm -hmm. the government and the U.S. military to conduct research by firing its 360 transmitters and 180 antennas into subspace, which is about 53 miles above the Earth, in order to superheat the Earth's ionosphere. (gasps) So, the government created (laughs) global warming? (laughs) Uh, Sorry. I'm going to be all (laughs) over this. I'm so excited. It's okay. I want you to be. (laughs) So these projects costed like $300 million to do. So lots of money has been poured into this. Sure. It generates over 3.6 billion watts of power, making it more powerful than all of the commercial radio, radio and broadcasting transmitters on the entire planet combined. What? This allows scientists to study the possible effects of stronger solar waves on the in the ionosphere as well as the ionosphere's natural effects on communication signals. By researching this, scientists hope to improve the performance of things like GPS, submarine communication, and the military's ability to map both terrestrial and underground surfaces. Um one of the projects in 2005 included the creation of the first man-made aurora. They legit made their own aurora borealis. What? Yeah. However, Are all of them fake? <laughs> they're all fake. No. Uh, it's, how just a, it's just a, a, a production. Yeah, it's, a it's projection. Projection. Yeah. <laughs> There's just a giant screen over Alaska. And Let's just entertain the <laughs> the locals. <laughs> <laughs> they have to get up at a weird time, but it's okay. <laughs> we got them. And so we'll only do it when, when it's like negative yeah. 40 outside. <laughs> <laughs> However, just like any other government super secret science project, some believe this facility could be used as an advanced weapon of war. <gasps> it's suspected by conspir- mostly by conspiracy theorists that it is a weapon that could be used for things such as mind control, that it can oh manipulate gosh. time and even weather patterns in specific locations. Oh, my word. So, some of the theories. One theory has to do with the effects that the energy waves from the facility antenna that are directed to the ionosphere. It's believed that these rays are then reflected back to Earth on a very low fr- frequency called ELF waves which have serious effects on Earth's magnetic fields as well as human thoughts and emotions. They believe that the ELF waves can cause rapid heating on the Earth's atmosphere, changing wind patterns, and be used to alter moods and brainwash entire populations. Oh my gosh. Uh, These waves are also strong enough to affect tectonic plate movements, possibly causing natural disasters around the globe. Oh my word. Another theory is that it delivers an electromagnetic pulse, or EMP, anywhere in the world and nearby disabling any and all microelectronic devices in that targeted area. (laughs) This supposedly causes change in the harmonic vibrations of the Earth to set off tsunamis, raise and lower land formations, 
heat and cool the surface of the earth and raise the lower ionosphere. Oh my gosh. Some also believe that it can change the orbit of the earth, the moon, and other planets, set off massive solar ejections, and destroy an entire planet. This one sounds really far-fetched to me. It sounds like a Death Star. I feel me. like, I mean, why wouldn't they just destroy it? It's now? a Death Star. It's a Death this Star. This is a Death Star. And if it's not used carefully, it's capable of destroying our entire planet. Lastly, let's talk about the whole mind control claim. So the project is believed to be able to affect human thoughts and emotions. And this is quoted from a book called Mind Controllers on This Matter. Okay. Uh, with the use of powerful computers, segments of human emotions, which include anger, anxiety, sadness, fear, embarrassment, jealousy, resentment, shame, and terror, have been identified and isolated with an EEG with the EEG signals as a, as emotion signature clusters. Oh my gosh! They're, can it can it just like get rid of my anxiety? Yeah, right. Which <laughs> <laughs> probably just makes you more. <laughs> <laughs> their rel- uh, their relevant frequencies and amplitudes have been measured. Then, the very frequency amp slash amplitude cluster is synthesized and stored on another computer. Each one of these negative emotions is properly and separately tagged. They are then placed on the silent sound carrier frequencies and could silently trigger the occurrence of the same basic emotion in another human being. In other words, because that was a lot of mumbo jumbo. Yeah. A lot of this is. Sorry, guys. In other words, the subliminal messages, subliminal messages could be inserted into TV and radio waves (gasps) without our awareness or of the viewer's awareness. Such messages could easily be beamed from satellites as well as triangulated on a desired location. Using the incredible broadcasting capabilities of HARP, the subliminal subliminal messages could convincibly even be broadcast over a large area to create the desired effect on an entire population. So do you think they would do it, like, if it was through, like, TV, they would do it through all the channels? Like, or w- McDonald's, go have a fry. And it's, yeah. like, a subliminal message in there. And like, yeah. I'm going to go get some fries. Yeah. That's why we all want McDonald's, I guess. So you're saying McDonald's is running the country. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> 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 that makes sense, though. Yeah. But, okay, so... Why wouldn't they just do that when, like, everyone was supposed to stay home at the beginning of 2020? Right? Like, Why didn't we I all mean, mo- just... a lot of people did, though. That's true. But, but maybe they didn't to want us to stay home. Maybe. Maybe it was, like, reverse psychology. And they're yeah. like, hey, stay home. Hey, watch this. We're going to tell these people to stay home. They're going to do the total opposite, especially everybody in Florida. <laughs> 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 Sorry, guys. It's true. <laughs> They go out, everybody gets sick, and the whole world shuts down. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) Now life is weird. Life is weird. (laughs) It is weird. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) All right. So a Dr. Bernard Eastland is the scientist whose name is most associated with the creation slash development of the Heart Project. 
on his website, it discusses his involvement in the project. So everything that I'm about to tell you is available online. And I can even post the link. Like, everything is on here online. Okay. Um, this website that I found all this future next information I'm fixing to read is was like, holy cow, blew my mind. And also, I felt really sketched out for reading it all. Did you feel like it was something, like, it was illegal, illegal. for you? Yeah. yeah. But it's... It's clearly public record. <laughs> um, so a 1987 patent was issued to Dr. Eastland. Uh-huh. It would everything okay? What does the cat box say? Like right outside your door? Yeah. Oh, Sorry. shut up. I was <laughs> like, why is there a cop at your house, dude? What did you do? Why are you so calm? <laughs> I didn't even think about this. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Uh, so a 1987 patent issued to Dr. Eastland is titled Method and Apparatus for Altering a Region in the Earth's Atmosphere, Ionosphere, and or Magnetosphere. In this patent, which sets the stage for HARP, Dr. Eastland states that many, states many points which contradict the claim that this is only being used for research and not for military purposes or purposes as for weather control. Oh. Um, here are some of the statements. Okay. Um, the temperature of the ionosphere has been raised by hundreds of degrees in these experiments. Uh, a means and method is provided to cause interference with or even total disruption of communications over a very large portion of the Earth. This invention could be employed to disrupt not only land-based communications, both civilian and military, both, but also airborne communications and sea communications. This would significant. This would significant. Significant would have significant military implications, which that's important because that that's like the whole GPS thing and yeah. submarine stuff. So that that kind of stuff is important. That's cool. That's what it was supposed to be for. It is it it is possible to take advantage of one or more such beams to carry out a communications network, even though the rest of the world's communications are disrupted. Oh, uh, it can be used to an advantage for positive communication and eavesdropping purposes. Military stuff. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Exceedingly large amounts of power can be very efficiently produced and transmitted. Okay. It's very powerful. This invention has a phenomenal variety of potential future developments. Large regions of the atmosphere could be lifted to an unexpectedly high altitude so that missiles encounter unexpected and unplanned drive forces with the resultant destruction or deflection. Whether modification is possible by, for example, altering upper atmosphere wind patterns or altering solar absorption patterns by constructing one or more plumes of atmospheric particles, which will act as a lens or focusing device, ozone, nitrogen, etc. Concentrations in the atmosphere could artificially be increased. Okay. So... He basically he just said that it's possible to do weather modification, and everywhere it says that this cannot alter the weather. But he said he it says can. that that is one of the things that is capable of. I don't understand how that's possible. <laughs> yeah, 
a lot of science. <laughs> they actually, Lots of science. there's a lot of really cool videos on it. Like they pulled out like, um, what was it like electrons or something? Some, some electrons or something that they got from beam. And then they put it in a microwave and the microwave created like an, an aurora in the, it cause they put like, you put like microwave beams onto it. And like, this thing is like, basically they described it as like a giant microwave going into the sky. And it's, they said, like, it's basically you, you open your microwave and you hold it up towards the sky. And that's essentially, like, what this giant thing is. It's a giant microwave. So it's doing. It had an stuff. aurora in the microwave? Mm-hmm. Like, um, you could see, like, a aurora. Like yeah, yeah. They should sell them. This sounds great for your microwave. <laughs> <laughs> um, electro- that's crazy. Yeah. Electromagnetic pulse defenses are possible. The Earth's magnetic field could be decreased or disrupted at appropriate altitudes to modify or eliminate the magnetic field. That doesn't sound very good to me. That sounds dangerous. Yeah. Sounds like we shouldn't be able to do that. It sounds like we shouldn't just... I mean, we could do anything. I feel like we could do so much more. I know we could do so much more than what the government is letting on. But... I don't think we should just because we could. I could go kill a person, but I'm not going to. Super sketchy sounding, but also trying to make it seem like it is. It, like it is for scientific purposes, and it can do things that would be beneficial. However, I don't, I don't know if it was being used for that for everything that. I don't know. Yeah, I think it, we were using. And if it, it were for to get more. into the wrong hands, exactly. So there are there are multiple harps all around the world, but apparently ours is like really powerful, and yes. a lot of countries don't like that. Um, a lot of people don't. A lot of countries just don't like. Yeah, period. yeah. <laughs> Most countries, I think, yeah. all countries don't like yeah. us. <laughs> um, matter of fact, there's a lot, a lot of other countries, and a lot of other people. Just a lot of people, just period, blame the harp on many disasters that have happened. All around the world. Really? Such as in 1996, a, oh, well, this isn't a disaster that happened. Sorry, I put this in the wrong spot. Bull was in the wrong spot. So in 1996, a Rosalie Bertel warned about the deployment of HARP as a military weapon. And in a book, a Michael Krzysztofsky stated that Recent scientific evidence suggests that HARP is fully operational and has the capability of triggering floods, hurricanes, droughts, and earthquakes. So we know, like, that's just to get you, give you a feel of what it is supposedly capable of. Oh, my gosh. So in 2006, a massive landslide in the Philippines killed over 1,100 people. I remember that. I do, too. Um, That was a lot of people blamed HARP. Why? Because they believe that it can control weather and the Earth's tectonic plates all around the world and to specific locations. And maybe there was, like, no reason why there would be a landslide? Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, okay. I mean, landslides are pretty random. I know, but I just, like, it's interesting what, why they would choose to blame yeah. her then People and just not want to think someone to blame. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in 2010... Vince, a Venezuelan leader, Hugh Chavez, claimed, hey, didn't we just talk about him? I remember the name Chavez. There's a lot of Chavez's. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and I did mention Venezuela. Yeah. Leia, Leia, but no. 
Uh, a Hugh Chavez claimed that harp triggered the Haiti earthquake magnitude <gasps> over 7.0, killing over 300,000 people. That was such an awful earthquake. Yeah, I remember that, too. Um, but slippage of a previously unmapped fault along the border of the Caribbean and North America, North American tectonic plates was supposedly the, the reason. reason. But it can control those plates. Maybe. Uh, a Chile earthquake that had an, a magnitude of 8.8 and a tsunami to follow <gasps> in 2010 killed over 500 people. Oh my gosh. That was also blaming HARP. In 2011, Japan experienced a 9.0 earthquake, which was also accompanied by a sudden and unexplained heat of the ionosphere directly above the epicenter of the quake, then causing a tsunami, and it killed over 18,000 people. And in March 8th of 2014, a Malaysian flight, you probably remember yeah. this one, MH370, mysteriously went missing with no plane or no bodies to be found. Many people believe that the plane may have gone off course due to the radar systems glitching and being affected by the radio waves emitted by HARP. So you think it went off course and then just crashed Yeah, they somewhere. probably just lost radar. Yeah. Oh, I mean, wow. I don't know. I'm wa- I don't know. I'm watching freaking... Uh, manifest yeah, right manifest now. right now. So it could have been a wormhole. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I that's mean, just some of the things that people blame Harp for. But I decided to go on social media like Twitter <gasps> and type in Harp. Holy cow! Everything, every weather phenomena that happens has Harp involved. Everyone blames Harp. Um, just uh, recently on September eighteenth. I'm not going to say by who because I didn't get their permission, uh-huh. but it was on a Fairbanks local page. Really? I don't know. If, oh, no, it was September 16th. I don't know if you remember their little bit of earthquake that we had like a week or two ago. I wasn't here. You weren't. Yeah, it was It was, was right after really you Facebook. left. Yeah. Uh, but I remember. We always have earthquakes when I'm not here. <laughs> I didn't feel it. Josh felt it. Josh thought he he asked where Natalie was, and I was like, she's right next to me. And he's like, oh, I thought she was in here shaking my chair. He's like, I think we just had an earthquake. And then uh, two seconds later, I got a text from a friend saying, did you feel that? So someone had posted on a local page saying, don't be blind and stop allowing the government to pull the wool over your eyes. That was no earthquake. The U.S. government started up HARP, and that's what the vibrations were. Oh, my god! It's time to wake up, America. If we don't stand up now, what's next? What are we going to do? Tell them to stop? Yeah. <laughs> um, a, another person on Twitter, and I'm not going to name names. Another Twitter post was, while Florida's literally underwater because of Hurricane oh Ian, the satanic Putin and his media are celebrating what they call using harp to destroy America, referring, and that, like I said, that was referring to Hurricane Ian. Oh my gosh. And another tweet I had found said, investigate missing lakes, uh, gates, and hurricanes, harp weather modif- modification patterns. Lie was, they will use it for drought, wildfires, lies and lies they can drain lakes move them cause flash floods hail and hurricanes 
because oh, that was one of the in, in one of the interviews where they're like, okay, so they say that it can't modify weather, but in interviews and other places online, you see that it says they, they can modify weather. And in one of the interviews, they had talked about uh, it being beneficial during like a drought because they can make it rain. Well, why wouldn't they then? Yeah. So like, I don't know. It's very contradicting. Well, I feel like it. There's a lot of reasons. If if there is a drought or if they cause the drought, like it's all because the government is trying to control. Yeah. A lot of yeah exactly money and yeah stuff like that yeah definitely yeah. But it sounds good to the public, right? If they're making a weather modification. Yes. Oh yeah. If you're too hot, we'll just let it rain. Yeah. So, in conclusion, all this sounds crazy. So, let me begin by saying that many scientists have brought up the point that this facility only goes into the ionosphere and weather is controlled in the troposphere. But if you know where your atmospheres are, ionosphere is the very. It's the very last one, right before space. Troposphere is like. You have to go through the troposphere to get to the ionosphere. So I'm just like, why would you bring up that point? You're going through it anyway. So yeah. I don't know. But and it's not like you can't those atmospheres. You can't like skip it. Yeah. You don't jump. Th- you don't jump around it. Yeah. You have to go through it to get to that. You can't go under it. You can't go over it. You have to go oh. through it. You got. Yeah. You gotta go yeah. through it. <laughs> I read that book the other day. I read a book like that the other day to the girls. Uh, so evidently, for years, the government has had the capabilities to manipulate weather. Apparently, in the 1960s, during the Vietnam War, the government allegedly brought monsoons to wash out the the Vietnam soldiers. Ooh. I don't know if that's true. That's why I said allegedly. If this was something that was happening, I don't think HARP is the only one to blame. Like I said, apparently there's multiple ones around. Yeah. So, like, I don't think we're to blame for everybody's, not everybody's monsoons. We're not to blame for everyone's earthquakes. (laughs) Earth has weather. Earth moves, does shit. It It is Mother Nature. Plus, the military shut down the program. In 19, no, 2014, they shut down the program and they sold it to Fairbank, uh, University of Alaska, Al- Fairbanks. Alaska. Yeah. So now there's college students controlling so the now weather. there's freaking college students <laughs> experimenting shit. They're like, you guys want to watch it? Make it <laughs> rain, my boys! Uh, um... So, yeah, they, they were sold to the college or donated. I'm not sure. And they are using it now. And to further prove that this place is not being used as, like, a secret government facility, they actually just had an open house in mm-hmm. August, which I wish I'd known about, where they opened it completely to the public to be like, oh, this this is this is us. This is what we are. We have nothing to hide. Come well, yeah, because they hit everything. Exactly. Before. Like, you planned it. Yeah. Like, we know. <laughs> that one guy, Shorty, hid from everybody. So, yeah, like, exactly. you guys could hide a couple weird things. Exactly. And plus, we don't know what we're looking at. 
Yeah, no. We're like, oh, what's that laser beam right there? Oh, that's that's just a pencil cut. It's yeah. fine. It's no big deal. We should get up into the Aurora to watch stuff. What's that thing that looks like a Death Star? Oh, that's just a giant soccer ball. Just uh, ignore that. Fine. That's actually that's uh, Billy's project. He's like three D printing. It's the fine. Death Star. Totally normal. Totally normal. <laughs> so that is my story I on the Harp, aka High Frequency Active Aurora Research Project. Be aware people i will the government's changing our weather man they're causing all this rain yeah if hurricane only they can make it stop Ian. snowing here they were talking about how like why are hurricanes so much more predictable now how come they're just like coming out everywhere like because our that's that's my thing is that like because our technology gets better to track them yeah like that was one of the arguments on twitter that i had seen and i was like we kind of develop good technology to do that kind of stuff, too. So it's it's not just them. They're not just, like, throwing them, like, one after another. And I feel like the people that are saying that are people that were around when that type of stuff wasn't. The technology yeah. wasn't that great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, we're going to get yep. uh, goodbye. To listen to us, listen, you know, wherever you get your podcasts on iTunes and Spotify. You can rate and review us. They are very helpful. We appreciate them very much. We'll even give you a shout out if you give us a good review. Uh, Also, you can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat. (sighs) I'm missing something, I think. But we're on all the social medias. Just look for at WWTN Podcast. I think the only one we're not on is Be Real. Oh, yeah. We're not on Be Real. I thought about making an account, but we're not on, like, we're not doing the podcast 24-7. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Also, you can follow me on Be Real. Yeah, me too. It's breezing in a rat tat tat, I think is my name. <laughs> What's yours? A Westland? Probably A Westland. AKA A Westland? I don't yeah. know. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, follow us and join our Facebook group. We actually went live on our Facebook page, but it's shared inside the Facebook group tonight for part of this episode. Yep. We have a website, whatswiththeneighbors.com, and on there. You can find every a link to everything that she just mentioned, along with the link to our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash WWTN podcast. We're only $5 a month. You can get exclusive content and our episodes unedited and videoed. So and cheap, guys. So cheap. And for $3 a month, you can get... Uh, early access to our episode and exclusive content and you also get like a magnet or something and we'll give you an episode shout out dedication you get get an episode dedication and it's super duper cool and feel free to slide into our dms with any questions comments comments or story suggestions and i want to reiterate this for those that are still listening um when I say sto- listener stories, I want you to tell us your point of view of the story that you're sharing. Like, type it up, tell us your feelings, put it in your own words, because that is going to make it more personable. And uh, yeah, you don't have to make it sound like profesh. No, don't don't send us a v- uh, article because we want to know you. We want to know you and your point of view of it. So, what do you mean, like a listener story? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Listener yeah story. Definitely don't send us an article because, sorry guys, that's essentially like a suggestion. Yeah, a that's that's an, a, definitely a su- suggestion. Yeah. But 
So send us uh, your point of view of any listener story um, at wwtnpodcast at gmail.com. And have you checked in on the neighbors? What's with the neighbors? Bring, Bring Amy, Amy out. out. <laughs> What's with the neighbors? It was a good episode. So where did you get episode? Actually, it wasn't.